Okay, so we are now streaming and recording. Okay, so welcome to the devotees that have come on live. Um, it's always wonderful to have an audience. And we have a lovely um, interpreter that has joined us, Nanga Manjari. Um, so it'll be um, translated for the devotees, all the Spanish-speaking devotees. And today we have a very wonderful sadhu here. We have Madame Mohan from Brighton. And um, looking forward to getting to hear more about his journey. Um, been able to listen to some of his classes that he's been giving over the last months and just really enjoying them and appreciating them a lot. And then just seeing him and his wife on the, the calls, they're always, they're always bright faces from Brighton. They've got to <laughs> enjoy, enjoy seeing them. So I'm going to start by reading uh, Madame Mohan's um, little bio, and then we'll launch into the interview. So Madame Mohan is based in Brighton, UK, on the south coast of England, with his wife, Mohini Dasi, and 11-year-old Naika. He grew up in Cardiff, Wales. After high school, he traveled to Canada to study psychology in the university. Near the end of his studies, he came in touch with devotees online. And a few, few years later, from 2009, Madame Mohan Das lived as a monastic in India for two years, mostly the South in a small independent ashram. It was a great exposure to various types of services and life in India in general, but also to the danger of uneducated or partially educated faith, as well as focusing on the head more than the heart. After the teacher had some major spiritual troubles, he returned to his hometown in Cardiff, Wales, to do some soul searching and start exposing himself to other sanghas after having lived in quite an insular and sometimes culty environment. He traveled and spent some time in various countries with devotee friends, including Italy and Mexico, to focus on creative projects such as a hip hop album based on Sri Shupanishad's and Srila Prabhupada's purports and also continued his own studies of bhakti. During this time around 2012, he first came in contact with Swami Tripurari's writings and classes. In 2015, he went back to India to live in Mayapur for a year, mostly focused on Nam Singh Kirtan with the 24-hour Kirtan team and also produced a series on learning how to play cartels while he was there. Boy, I need to take that class. Um, <laughs> it was a humbling time on many levels and the need for more direct spiritual guidance and like-minded Sadhu Sangha was growing in his heart. After returning to the UK, he has settled in Brighton with Mohini Dasi, where he works as a motion designer. And as much as time allows, tries to engage those skills in Vaishnav Seva. He also 
helped organize local kirtan and study groups with devotees from a mixture of sanghas there, as well as Nagar Saint Kirtan. In 2017, he finally met Swami Tripurari in person in Poland and received nam initiation there and Diksha a few years later in Madhuban. He has a passion for creative projects and kirtan and feels very fortunate to hear the high level of mature Vaishnav dialogue that takes place in Sri Chaitanya Sangha. So when I first read your bio, I just want to say I was surprised that you haven't really been practicing all that many years because you seem very mature and um, learned for the time that you've been involved. So definitely some coming in with some, some scars and previous um, association. In... <laughs> that what? The internet can be deceiving. The internet can be <laughs> deceiving. Well, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so what we're doing here today, we're doing, we're, we're doing our um, interviews on the beauty and the messiness of the Sadaka's journey. And the purpose of these interviews are to get to know each other and, and to really grow our faith by hearing from others how they've gone through their difficulties and struggles as a sadhaka and how they've resolved or how they've dealt with them or how they're dealing with them in the present. Um, because the messiness is a definite part of the journey and a very necessary part of the journey. And it's it has to be there. And the more we can embrace the messiness along with the, the beauty, um, the more grounded we will be in, in bhakti. So um, I would like to <clears throat> just start by asking um, if you had any clues growing up that you weren't met for a material trajectory in your life, that there was something really that you had a calling that was spiritual in some way yeah um i think there were quite a few signs um in my childhood uh so i i was born in um my mum was a christian or is a christian um but my dad was agnostic um and so and but i i spent a lot of time in the church growing up more, more from a social thing um but i I remember one thing that kind of stands out now in reflection, especially on our path. Um, I remember, I can't remember all the details, but I think I wanted like a video game system or something like that when I was younger that we couldn't afford. And I remember, um, uh, you know, thinking I should pray for it, you know, and, uh, and my mum, I remember my mum saying to me, um, you know, that you shouldn't pray to God for things, like you, sh you should pray to have a relationship with him. And it was something that like made a really strong impression as a, as a kid. And it, then growing up, like I always felt a relationship with God, you know, I didn't have, you know, mm. have a conception of Krishna or these things, but I, I felt, I did feel a strong, strong relationship. And, you know, even I remember as a kid, you know, at the end of my day, I'd be lying in bed, just kind of going through my day and these kind of things at times. And I, I can't say it was like that every, every night and these things, but I, I, I have a lot of memories of this from time to time, you know, checking in if you will. And I really, yeah, I really felt that kind of um, friendly relationship. And I, I remember 
when I was a little older, I went through a brief period where I kind of took Christianity a little more seriously. Um, but I couldn't, um, uh, there, were, there were many things theologically I couldn't really uh, accept, things like eternal damnation and these kind of things. So it didn't last very long. Um, but I, I, I don't know if you know the movie Dogma. There's a Kevin Smith movie, Dogma. Um, and in there, there's, uh, it, it, it wasn't even like, um, uh, you know, for spiritual reasons that it's brought out. It was actually for, for um, capitalist purposes, but they brought out uh, what was known as Buddy Jesus. So if anyone's seen the movie, there's this um, deity, I guess, a murti of Jesus, but he's like called Buddy Jesus and he's got the thumbs up and he's, he's like this. And I, I, re I got one and I really loved it. I, I had him everywhere, like on my desk and these kind of things. Uh, and it just reminded me that, you know, beyond all these kind of the fear-based aspect of religion, if you will, that, you know, God's your friend at the end of the day. Um, and then, yeah, in my later teens, then I got, got quite into psychedelics and um, uh, marijuana and these kind of things. And there was definitely an escapist and a, and a hedonistic kind of aspect to it. But that I re really was searching as well. I really felt there was more, more to life. And um, the Matrix movie, as I'm sure many, many people had like such a big impact on me, you know, there's something outside of, of your kind of standard way of living. And I, I was really... Um, sometimes maybe not not the most psycho psychologically balanced uh, by dint of uh, things I was experimenting with, um, but I but I felt this strong calling in that direction. There was something more. Um, so yeah, there you know there were there were a few hints here and there growing up, um, but it wasn't until uh, yeah university when when I went to university. Um, so as, as, as you read in the bio, I studied psychology there and a lot of it, it wasn't even for a career. I didn't, didn't know what I wanted to do afterwards, but I was just interested in exploring who we are as beings, you know, just kind of, I was very much into that kind of exploration of consciousness, if you will, and exploration of the self, who are we, these, these kind of why questions. Um, and, uh, but I, I went through a period where I, I, I was suffering a lot psychologically, I think. I was very, um, I wasn't in a great place. Um, and, but I was also very, very, yeah, I, I guess the drive to search was very strong at that time, like philosophically as well. I, I started to look into many different kind of traditions. I started practicing Qigong there. Um, and I, I'd read anything, literally, you know, even some some really obscure kind of, uh, <laughs> like black Muslim, because I was really into hip hop. So these kind of like small schools you find in New York, these kind of things. And it was, yeah, it was, it was just a very explore, exploratory time. Um, and then, I, yeah, I ended up uh, coming across some um, podcasts on uh, Bhagavad Gita. The, the ones I came across originally, it, it was a video actually, but it was marketed using the Matrix, and because I had such a, a feeling for, for the Matrix movie, you know, it was like kind of, oh, this is the, this is the um, kind of what I'm looking for. So that, that attracted me to take a listen. But when I listened, uh, it was very much based on Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita purports and, and these things. And it just really, I'm, like everyone's had this experience, I know hearing your interviews, how um, it just, resonated so much that like this is the truth you know like i know i've got the truth now um no one can tell me otherwise this is this is this is it so that's kind of yeah how 
kind of hints, if you will, along the way. So, so what was it that really got you to kind of drop out of the world and go to India, or, you know, and what, what was there, or was it just a gradual kind of process that you were going through, or did, was there something, some event that occurred? Well, um, I, so when I came across these podcasts, so this was a, a disciple of Srila Prabhupada, um, who kind of is doing his own thing. Um, and uh, as I said, prior to this, I'd had no contact with anything Hare Krishna related. I'd never heard of ISKCON, for example. I'd, I think my only memory previous to that, and I wouldn't have connected it until later, was playing the video game Grand Theft Auto. And there's like, uh, <laughs> it says Goranga there when uh, you do something you probably don't want to do. Um, so um, that, was, that was the only experience I'd ever had. And I, so there was no experience on that front, but I, I really felt like a truth seeker, if you will, or a searcher at the time. Um, and so when I came across this, as I say, there were these podcasts and I would listen to one before bed and then one when I woke up in the morning. So th this was like a, a sadhana, I guess, at the time without, I was just every morning, even though I was carrying on doing my schoolwork and, you know, different things in my life, this became quite solid for a number of months. And then I found out that they, they, this community had a forum. Um, so I thought, okay, let me check out what's going on in the forum. And it was really interesting at the time. I mean, this was pre, I think Facebook was just in its early days at the time. And these things, you know, it was quite, quite unique in the Gaudiya world, uh, uh, to my knowledge, at least at the time. Um, and uh, just people could ask their question, people were asking questions, and then there'd be like these answers from the, the community and especially this spiritual teacher. Um, and so I, I, I read a lot and I, I started reading Prabhupada's books by, you know, from hearing these different things through this. Uh, I got really into studying. I loved Sri Shapanishad. I remember when I read Sri Shapanishad, I, I just loved it. I loved philosophy. Uh, and then uh, I started reading the Bhagavad Gita. And I, I gradually, I, I guess over a space, and I started chanting also, because um, obviously that's recommended. <laughs> and then, um, and so I was, I hadn't actually met any devotees in person, even I think I'd been practicing for maybe a year and a half to two years before I actually met anyone in person. Um, but more and more I got involved in the online community, especially in the forum. So I'd ask questions as well. And often the answers would be, a lot of it was kind of copy paste from Prabhupada's purports, but you know, they, it was great for what I needed at the time. And uh, um, yeah, so, so I think, what had happened then when I came back, uh, I came back, that was my last year in Canada, but more year of study left. And I came back to Cardiff and uh, this community was starting an ashram. They were actually start going to um, Chile at the time. Um, but as it, so I, I kind of like thought, yeah, let me try living as a monk. You know, they were, they were kind of, it wasn't like fully open invitation, but those who they could see were more serious and these kind of things, it was kind of an invitation. And I, I was, you know, didn't know what I was going to do in my life anyway. I, okay, let me, <laughs> let me see, try it out. But I needed to um, earn money first to kind of like save up for my plane ticket and these kind of things. So I still had quite a bit of time um, of study and these kind of things. Um, but it, I, I kind of set the goal that I'm going to go and live as a monk for a while. But by the time I got there, it, it ended up being about a year later. 
um, they, they were moving to India. So that's that's how I ended up in India. And uh, yeah, and I, I I never looked back. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like this is what this is what I meant to be doing. And there's there's a lot of romanticism to it as well. You know, being young, I was just I think like 22, and it was kind of that romantic idea of I'm going to live as a monk in India. And <laughs> so there was that side too. I think. What was oh, your oh, what was your overall oh, experience with living in that ashram situation? Because it sounded like it was an, you said it was an independent ashram, so um, it sounded like it didn't. I mean, it had the some grounding in um, Shil Prabhupada's teachings, but it sounded like there were things that were maybe not so it wasn't so clear about accepting a guru or having a guru or some something was missing in that oh, yeah. environment no so, sorry yeah I'll, I'll rewind a little but it was um there's definitely the concept of the guru and there was one teacher he, he was the guru um, mm -hmm. but i guess this is, this is good um yeah to to kind of describe my experience because it goes into a lot of the messiness if you will because <laughs> this was the big big messy period of the time mm -hmm. um but um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, it was quite, it was very um, strong kind of connection to Prabhupada's books. Like every answer, like I say on the forum, would generally have some quote copy and pasted uh, with Prabhupada's books. And, and for the most part, obviously, as you, as you learn more and you, you're more educated, you realize, hang on a minute, they were kind of like interpreting things a little differently here, there. But at the time, you know, you could argue it was just straight up Prabhupada's books, but there was also the concept of guru. That was quite imbibed early on, the importance of guru. Um, and so I actually, just before I went to India, just to make sure um, that, uh, that I, I, you know, this is what I wanted to do kind of thing, I ended up going to New Jersey, um, having a Jan Mashtami festival there, this, this group, because they were passing on the way from Chile to India. And so they ended up having a Jamashtami festival. And so I ended up going there and I loved it. Uh, you know, I really had such a great time meeting different devotees. Like I say, these were the first devotees I was meeting in person as well. It's all been online. And, um, and so uh, I, I actually ended up taking um, first initiation there. Um, and then I came back for a bit and then I, then I went to India. Last year there. So I, I, I should probably say before we get to kind of like the main messiness that there are different opinions on this guru. Uh, I use the word guru loosely as well, but um, I've met many devotees since who kind of knew him from back in the day, uh, even the early days and these things. And there are a lot of mixed mixed opinions. And some some would say he was just a cheating guru from the beginning. Some, some would say, uh, you know, he had problems later on in these things. And quite frankly, I don't know, you know, there are definitely indications both ways. Um, but at the time, you know, I was naive to a lot of things and I, and not, not only that, this was how Krishna had come to me, you know, I'd really, my faith had really um, grown so much, you know, I, I chanted, I, I, by that point I was chanting 16 rounds, following the principles, all these kind of things. Uh, and, I, and I was really eager to learn the philosophy, you know, it's the Srimad Bhagavatam and these things. So it, there was something going on, however it was going on, however Krishna chose to, um, do that so um but so the first year was amazing 
uh, it was definitely challenging in many ways. And the guru was psychologically um, abusive, especially on reflection. I can see that at the time you kind of take it as, okay, you know, it's just humbling me and these kind of things. Um, but, you know, there, there came a point you were scared to ask questions, for example, that you would just be blasted. There was, there was very much that kind of environment. But at the same time, there was a great uh, theory amongst the God brothers and God sisters as well. Um, and, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was a constant adventure, you know, some, some of my services, for example, going to the, the fruit and veg market, uh, and these things, and just to go be in India and kind of like, you know, live that, live like that was just, just very exciting, but also the bhakti aspect, you know, very strictly following, um, a temple program in a, in a very strict way for the first year. Um, and there was nothing in my eyes that was untowards if you will uh like that but then uh, after about a year of that we we changed location within india um the ashrams and so some things more and more started to come out and so one of one of those things uh was um you know especially this differentiation between vaidhi bhakti and raganuga bhakti and uh it was very, just now no, knowing as I do more and having more of an understanding, uh, it was just a very uh, mixed up understanding of what Raganuga Bhakti is, you know, very much emphasizing just the, you know, spontaneous devotional service, but no real context to what spontaneous means in these things. Um, and so uh, marijuana was in introduced for example and i as i as i say i had a really strong samskar for marijuana you know it took me a bit of time to give it up when i decided to follow the principles and these kind of things and now there was that you can you can use it in bhakti actually and these you know these kind of ideas and so initially there was kind of an excitement like well the guru says it's okay and you know like, he's my guru and you're really trying to surrender as well you know you're really inside there was really a kind of, okay, I'm, I'm surrendering to this person and these things. So by that point, you know, there wasn't an idea that he can't be bona fide or these kind of things. Uh, I think you, you kind of shut a lot of things out. Kind of similar, we were speaking earlier on fear and these kind of things, you know, because you hear so many things about, you can't reject a guru and, you know, the your guru is everything and all these kind of things. Not just, yeah, not much basis on guru tattva, philosophy of guru tattva um and so yeah so there were a couple of days um where kind of okay we could use marijuana and these kind of things but then then what came out was um these these tantric practices uh so so okay um you you there's like these tantric practices that you can use and, and so i was kind of confronted with that and uh, not just myself some others um and I just had a meltdown, you know, because I knew I didn't want to get involved in anything like that. And, and I think there was just so much cognitive dissonance as well of like, you know, he's my guru, but, you know, so many things. Actually, there's one, one god brother of ours um, who, who came from the same ashram I was sharing a room with at the time. And, and we were speaking about it a little while back, but that when, when I, that kind of like, came exposed to me I, I was in that bed I was just in bed for like two days I just I literally so many things going through my mind you know should I leave should I stay you know he's not bona fide what if he is and I'm rejecting you know but all these things so it was very it was a very traumatic time uh at the time um and just had to yeah just I think after a, after a few days of that 
um, I kind of felt that I, I definitely I wanted to be in India, and I really felt a camaraderie with many of the God brothers and some of those you, my senior God brothers at the time, and these things, you know, uh, who weren't also weren't involved in any of those tantric things. Um, just kind of explain, you know, explained, well, you know, this is kind of like a much higher level, but you don't have to get involved in that and these kind of things. So I kind of accepted it as it was. Um, but there was definitely, my faith was shattered in many ways. I, I felt very firm in bhakti. I felt in terms of like chanting and I, and that this was my path, but definitely like the relationship with the guru was, you know, it, it wasn't the same. I, I tried very much to play the part of a disciple, if you will, in these things, but there was definitely a lot of internal conflict. And then not long after, maybe a few months, uh, I felt very fortunate, actually, a few of us got sent away. We were seen as the, the Vaidhi Bhakti Ashram, if you will. <laughs> it was just, it was very bizarre looking back now, you know, but uh, at the time it was kind of, that was our life. Um, and we, we got sent to Madhya Pradesh. And so we did a lot of kirtan. We traveled to different villages and we, we did a lot of Nagasankirtan. And it was just a really relieving time, like a lot of the kind of like pressure of, of it. And I really felt, I, I experienced, we met many sadhus and I, I really felt a real experience of, of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Kirtan movement, for the example, and took, took a lot of shelter in the holy name at the time. Um, but then near, near the end of our time there, one, one of the devotees who did get involved with the, um, the tantric stuff, if you will, um, had, had like stolen some photographs of everything that really was going on there at the time. And so uh, we, we didn't have the full knowledge of that uh, where we were, but I guess they were um, the guru himself, or guru, guru and, and those were kind of like cottoned on that this is gonna be exposed at some point. And so then it was kind of, the ashram was just kind of wrapped up really and that we were all going to be sent home and we were going to uh, meet up somewhere else. Um, uh, I mean, there's many other details, but it's probably unnecessary at this point to go into. But, um, but the main, main thing is we, we got sent back and then a few days after I got back to the UK, kind of these photos came out online and, you know, they're, they're quite graphic and, and, and it was... Um, it was just a massive kind of whirlwind at the time. And you can imagine there was a bit larger online community as well. So there were a lot of emails going back and forth and, you know, just there was, it was a real whirlwind. Um, and even at that time internally, there was still a lot of um, kind of that fear. I think like my heart really wanted to just, okay, let me walk away. And I, you know, I want nothing to do with him kind of thing, but, still there was the, the, this kind of fear aspect of like, well, you know, I don't really understand Haz Bhakti. And I know, you know, the, at least from what I had understood to that point, that there are high levels of Bhakti that are beyond rules and regulations, these things. And he was very good uh, intellectually in terms of, um, you know, justifying things, if you will, and, and these things. But after a few days, there were a lot of kind of emails on both sides, back and forth, of people who've kind of taken their positions. And I, ju I just prayed to Krishna quite intensely that if I am rejecting, you know, no, I'll, I'll tell you what happened actually, it's just come, come back, that he sent an email to uh, one of his god brothers, one of, you, one of your god brothers. Um, uh, he's an astrologer, Patita Pavana, and I'd been in touch with him for a little bit. Um, and basically he forwarded some of the emails that this so-called guru had sent to him 
and uh, and he was basically rejecting um, Srila Prabhupada uh, um, completely, you know, and and for me that was kind of like a sign of well, if you're rejecting Guru, it's okay for me to reject my Guru, if you will, you know. So kind of like I'm following your footsteps. So so I kind of cut contact at that time and just. I got an email a few months later because they were trying to round up for part two, I guess. But I, I, I really, I thought it's going to be healthier. And I really, as soon as I made that decision, I, although there were many things to deal with later on, I felt such a relief off the shoulders and my head, my head came less clouded, if you will. But it really awoke me to kind of, yeah, how easy even, you know, I, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm so intelligent or these kind of things, but, you know, I was an educated person and these things, but how easy, you know, you can, you can kind of be swayed uh, just, just through the head and these kind of things. And it really spoke to me a lot that I, I can't make that mistake again um, in terms of, I knew I wanted to be around devotees. So I knew I wanted to practice bhakti, but I, I really, especially didn't want to get into um, that same kind of, mindset again you know that was really a really dangerous mindset a really unhealthy mindset also um yeah, sorry yeah so that's uh i mean we've heard i think several of the interviews devotees who had similar experiences in the beginning of kind of coming into the fold through a not bona fide guru who was teaching things that were um, certainly not part of bhakti and you know having a similar issue of you know issues of like the conflict of you know of, you know wanting to follow the guru and and maybe yeah what what if he is right you know and what if i'm rejecting a bona fide person and yeah i don't understand the higher levels of bhakti yet so maybe you know he's going to help me get there i mean i could imagine how um just how difficult that must have been for for you being a, a newer devotee and not really having you know not knowing enough about all the the shastras to be able to piece together that this is not you know this is not the teachings that um that we should be being exposed to here and um yeah i i, I can't i can't actually imagine being in that situation and how difficult that must have been i yeah i, I feel very fortunate because hearing other other stories and similar kind of experiences like that that it was kind of it was a whirlwind kind of time you know it was just over periods even though there were a few years before like i say before i was actually with them it was just two years um in the actual ashram and just one year of that kind of thing so i feel quite thankful that it was all kind of like <laughs> kind of went like that you know and I, I'm a strong believer of, of Krishna really does, you know, arrange things as, as needed. And even at that time, I, I felt that. Because um, I, I will say, you know, I, I'm still, whether, whether he started his preaching from like a nefarious kind of position, or it was, um, you know, kind of like he, he just changed later on, whichever, whichever, as I'm very thankful that, you know, that for everything in terms of, uh, connecting me with Krishna consciousness, connecting me with Prabhupada's books, for example, and these things. Like I will say that that's. Um, but um, and I, but I also feel, other than you know, you can think, okay, maybe 
in past lives, maybe I was a false guru in these things, you know, sometimes those kind of ideas thrown around. Could be, could be, but either way, I, I do feel the, the the situation was actually perfect for um for for what came after, if you will, you know, because as I said, I really heightened my kind of I need to understand understand more i really did a, a much deeper study of bhakti rasamrita sindhu for example because I, I really needed to clear up so many things but i also I, I was very hesitant in terms of sadhu sangha that i i like to be around you know kind of um newer devotees and you know, kirtan and these kind of things but i was very hesitant when someone was more of an authority uh or, you know uh, these these kind of things um and I got very, very involved for the first few years back, um, just reading, uh, you know, all sorts of um, things about the movement and these things, both good and bad, uh, and different sides of different debates on so many topics. Um, but I, I was very thankful that I kind of, having come from that experience and, and, uh, and also it being a bit that I hadn't been given like a certain this group or that group, you know, because that the group I was with totally disintegrated and these things. So it, I, I could kind of approach them in a little more of a detached way that I wasn't attached to this, that. I felt very strong for Prabhupada, you know, I really, to, to this day, I, I feel a very strong connection to Srila Prabhupada. I, I um, very much took shelter of his books at the time. Um, and I never really, I never... Um, kind of took on a ritvic kind of understanding, but I, it was something I certainly thought I need to look into that also, you know, but after, because I was kind of coming from a detached um, place, if you will, I, I, I looked at all sides of the arguments and I, I've Guru Maharaj to thank very much for that, for example, in terms, I used to read the harmonist comments on the, even some of, the, I see Guru Nishta Prabhu on the, on the call, you know, some of his cartoons, I loved them. I loved all that kind of stuff because I, I just loved the discussions that would come after and I very much appreciated also how many in our Sangha, especially and obviously Guru Maharaj, would approach those things that they weren't, they wasn't attacking like you would often see. It, it was just kind of like, you know, this is how it is based on this. This is how it is based on this. And a very, yeah, a, a very um, mature level of discussion. I really appreciated that. So, so I found it difficult then when you would encounter, let's say, less, less mature approaches to kind of, it's like this, it's like this, black and white kind of aspect. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I feel very thankful for those experiences, you know, even though, yeah, it was very difficult, you know, and even to this day, I, I still think there are things I have to deal with. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't feel, feel hard up about it, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds like you, Christian really protected you, like having <clears throat> been dubbed the, uh, the Vaidhi Bhakti group and uh, sending <laughs> being sent away to go do some Vaidhi Bhakti. <laughs> you were very fortunate. <laughs> so yeah, Krishna was looking out for you for sure. And yeah, that you could that you're able to to see that it really put you in a good position to to really um, try to understand deeper um, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and and then it helped you to really appreciate Guru Maharaj because he's, you know, he's, he's somebody that you have to have some real taste and interest in the philosophy and, and willing to, you know, really want to go deeper with the study. So 
it prepared you for all that. So yeah, Someone, you know, yeah, being able to see all the things, that's the, the beauty of the journey is being able to see how the messiness was perfectly orchestrated for you know, your journey, your particular journey. And my messiness is different and it was perfectly orchestrated for my <laughs> journey and all of these interviews. It's, yeah, it's been just really faith building to me to hear, you know, and how you, yeah, you got through it. So where did you go from there? I, I mean, after you, uh, you left the ashram and um, where did that take you? So, so I was um, uh, in Cardiff for a while, maybe about a year and a half, two years. Um, and yeah, in that time, you know, obviously I was dealing with a lot at that time, um, mentally, um, and just tr trying to understand things. But I started to hang out with um, the ISKCON devotees there. There, there was a small group, a uh, lo local cafe there, and I made some friends. Um, and I, yeah, I, I very much appreciated uh, just have it, having the shelter of, of devotees to have kirtan with as well. You know, that was very, um, it, it was very, I, they, they, they were very um, understanding. Uh, the devote, the main devotees I kind of hung out with, they were very understanding of not trying to push me to kind of okay now come come here and join join this uh, this kind of thing. You know, they were they were very they they really were like friends. Um, just kind of you know I needed to be around at the time, um, and I, I also started working on some creative stuff. Uh, so I started working. Um, I knew I wanted to serve pro at that time. You know, I had no uh, physical guru, if you will, um, and I felt. Prabhupada's my, my Shiksha guru. I, I've, um, so I, say I wasn't really coming from a kind of Ritvik perspective, but there just wasn't anybody else in my life. And I was still feeling out different sanghas. Um, so I was really taking shelter of his books. I was reading his books. And so I, I started working on music to try and um, uh, make my contribution, if you will, uh, whatever, however small it may be, but just um, uh, kind of try putting his, his purports into lyrics and these things. Um, and so I, I, at that time also, I really got into, Facebook started taking off, if you will, in terms of Gaudiya discussion. I don't know if you remember, there was a Facebook group, Gaudiya Real and Apparent, uh, many years ago. Uh, and I loved that. I really, I, I loved that there were different sanghas and there were different devotees getting involved. And for the first, you know, in the beginnings of that group, I think Dulal Chandra. I think Dulal Chandra started that group. Oh really? Oh, mm -hmm. Jai. <laughs> very, very thankful for that. Because that, that's how I th first came in contact with Guru Maharaj. Actually, mm. um, you know, coming some of the discussions and these things. And I think someone actually prior to that, someone had posted a quote of his, and I, it just really resonated with me. Um, and and so I started slowly looking more and more into him. Um, and, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I was looking more into him than others even. And I really took shelter of Indra Prabhu time because I really, was kind of my, uh, what my connection, if you will. Um, and, and Indra Prabhu, um, I was always into his kirtans from when I first been introduced to them. And then, so then I started to listen to his classes. And so I, I got really into his classes. Um, and so I, uh, uh, I, 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 you must know Muli, Muli Prabhu in California. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So we're old friends because we were in India together previously. Um, mm. And so I was going to move to stay with him for, for a while in Mexico. Um, and it was quite interesting. Up to this point, as I say, I've been kind of dabbling with some of the writings of Guru Maharaj, especially online. Um, and I got, to, got there and um, we lived together for a while. And uh, and he said, I've got I've been listening to these classes of this sadhu. You've really got to you've got to hear. And um, I said, like, oh, okay. So who's that then? And he, he said, it's Tripurari Swami. I was like, oh wow, I've been reading some of his writings, you know. And so we really like wow. Um, we connected on that. So that that was a wonderful time. It was such a such a healing time for me. I really appreciate Murli's friendship. You know, we 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 obviously have been through a lot together, and we. Um, uh, really grew together in many ways and we, we we were reading Prabhupada's letters for example uh, we would read to each other um, chronologically so while we were taking prasad like one of us would take prasad and then the other would read the letters of Prabhupada and we read them chronologically uh, to get some context for kind of like how things would develop in his teaching see how he preached differently at different times and these things it was, it was a really yeah wonderful experience um, and uh, yeah, we so we, we I worked on music there, and um, I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Really, we also had some Narayan Maharaj disciples come stay with us, and that was quite interesting. That was my first experience with um, Narayan Maharaj's group, um, and it, it was I, yeah, it was a great experience all around. You know, it was a nice experience, and it, it caused me to look deeper into that sangha as well. And I was just feeling out and um, different things. Um, and then Murli, I remember just before I left, so, so I'd been really inspired by Aindra Prabhu. I really wanted to kind of give something back, you know, in that direction. That was kind of my, my guru, if you will, <laughs> at that time. Um, and I just really felt to serve the 24-hour kirtan in Vrindavan. So, um, so I, not long before I left Mexico, um, an advert came out for the 24-hour kirtan starting in Mayapur. They were trying to get something similar to going on there. So I answered the devotee there um, saying, you know, I was interested. Um, and so uh, that opportunity kind of arose. And, but just before I left Mexico, I was going back to UK first. Um, Muli wrote to Guru Maharaj for the first time. And so I remember him receiving his reply. Uh, and it was to do with Guru. Guru. Um, I've still got the message saved somewhere. Uh, he kind of shared it with me. And, um, and it was, yeah, I was just really, really inspired and impressed by the answer. Um, but I, was, I, I wasn't ready to kind of pursue any kind of like personal relationship at that time personally, you know. And so I kind of went, did my thing. Um, I came to the UK to kind of um, uh, prep myself and save up some money for going to India again. Um, and then while I was in, in, in India, uh, I'd, I was still in contact with him from time to time. And I, he had gone to stay with Guru Maharaj. Then, he, you know, he became his personal servant. And um, so there was kind of like this connection there that it was it was quite nice um, to hear, you know, from from an insider as well. <laughs> Some, you know, OK, what's what's kind of the deal there? Because obviously, as you say, you know, I, I know you can present something in one way online. And then, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and all these kind of things, you know, there's always that aspect. Um, but I, and I, I would continue to listen to Guru Maharaj's classes from time to time. In fact, similar, I guess kind of related, but, you know, as I as I'd said, I was very inspired by Aindra Prabhu at the time. 
and then I come in contact with some kind of like things from Guru Maharaj that were kind of speaking against kind of ideas that Indra Prabhu was speaking. So it, it was really those kind of times that like, oh, I, I've got first to reconcile again or first to kind of like, you know, take deep and understand or enter those areas of grey, if you will, you know, there was that kind of, because I felt very attached to Indra Prabhu. Uh, um, because he'd really been a shelter for me in 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 terms of uh, after the fall from the first guru, um, but I was I was very much appreciated Guru Maharaj's um, talks as well and these things, um, and so yeah, there was a lot of, lot of internal reflection at the time and a lot of kind of feeling things out and the, and these things, um, but I doing the kirtan there in Mayapur, it really brought out a lot of of myself as well i found you know some darker aspects as well internally and these things that to deal with and and just really that i need you know i i really need like-minded association i felt the devotees were wonderful there you know they were, they were very dedicated and these things but, but coming from an iscom background and and these things i'm not i'm not saying this is the case for everyone coming from an iscom background but these devotees in particular you know there was still that kind of mindset of um this, you know, this is the this is the group and kind of things. And I really wanted to get away from any of that mindset, having gone through that this is the group, we're the ones. And even even within that kind of group, it was like anyone not kind of dedicated to 24-hour kirtan is, you know, they're just nonsense and these kind of things. And it was just, I, I just couldn't vibe with that. You know, I'd kind of gone through that mindset, if you will, and it just, it wasn't really for me. Um, as well as my own issues to deal with. And I just really felt a strong call in that I, I needed like-minded association and I needed guidance. And so, because uh, I see the times going on, I'll kind of cut it a bit shorter, but I, I came back um, and maybe a year later, I took a vrat during Kartik that specifically for, I, I, I really need guru, you know, I really need someone in my life um, that I can surrender to, that I can, um, make more progress with and these kind of things and and krishna very kindly he gave many signs and uh it mean more and more back back to guru maharaj and especially for here here his lectures more and um one thing led to another and he, here i am <laughs> if you will that's beautiful yeah is there any of the when you were saying when you were in mayapur and you were doing the uh 24-hour kirtan and and you said some darker things had come out. Is there any one thing that you might feel comfortable sharing? And, and then how that, because it's like we have our messiness, external messiness, but then we have our internal messiness as well. That, um, you know, our, our, like you said, the dark side, the, the shadow side of the self that emerges during the process. And sometimes devotees can get very um, bewildered by that. Like I'm chanting and I'm, practicing bhakti and, and I have these really dark thoughts or these, you know, so anything that you would feel comfortable sharing, yeah. maybe not, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, there's many, many things to be honest, but I, you know, just to keep it shorter, but um, even just subtle things like, like uh, pride, for example, and the, these kind of things, you know, because I, um, you know, I, I had been hearing a lot up to that point, and I'd, I'd, I'd studied studied quite a bit, and um, and I, I I felt like with with the kirtan, you're sitting there for six hours a day, for example, just focused on the kirtan and these kind of things, um, 
and and yeah, the 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 ego becomes very fragile. Let's say, and so uh, I wasn't I wasn't as musically talented, for example, as many of the devotees who who were in that kirtan those kirtan sessions, um, and I I really felt you know uh, that much of it was probably my projection, but I felt like you know there was this kind of um, subtle bullying if you will uh, but it but i don't think it was i don't think fully it was really the case i think think really you know they were just having some fun and these these kind of things uh and i was a bit of an outsider i, I was actually the only uh you know english is my first language kind of speaker it was mainly russian devotees and so so sometimes i take those things very personally and and pride would really come out for example a lot you know and 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 just lack of humility, just really recognizing lack of humility. We can have all the knowledge in the world and these kind of things. But as we know, you know, that really depth of humility from the, the third the third verse of Shikshashtakam, that comes at Nishta really. And I, I'm, I'm quite far from Nishta, I feel. And and I, I that was really being exposed to me. It's not that that wasn't there before, but that, that was really being brought out to me that, you know, yeah, you're still on your journey. And I felt Krishna there and these things, but that you're not you're not as humble as you might like to think you are you know and th these things that, that that was really being brought to the forefront in many different ways um I guess, how, yeah, how, just, how did you how all, did you deal how did you deal with that those feelings were that were coming up were you able to deal with them in a healthy way at the time or were you what, what would you I don't know if I, I'd say I dealt with them in the fulliest, healthy, healthiest way at the time. And I, I'd say in some regards, I still deal with them in different situations. But I, I, I think um, they were also helpful in, in bringing out um, different, different aspects. So just, just as an example, at the, at the time, um, I, I actually, maybe it was psychosomatic or like that, but I started to develop um, uh, voice problems like vocal problems and throat problems um, and these things and maybe because I, I didn't have anyone to speak to and I wasn't dealing with them properly and and, and all these things but um, so yeah I, I wouldn't say I dealt with them properly at the time and I, I actually ended up going to Vrindavan for a while and elsewhere and it, that, that in itself was a blessing it was really wonderful but um, but it was yeah I I, I, I think it's something I think like with everything having the light shone on it in the first place is like a major step, you know, just to really like recognize, okay, this is something you have to deal with. Um, and just, just, yeah, let's take Kirtan, for example, really pushed me more and, and tried to focus more. You know, I lead a lot of Kirtans here, for example, and these things that this is a service, you know, that this isn't uh, even, you know, it doesn't matter what people think or this, that, you know, that this is a service, this is, this is a worship. And I, I, it's not that I didn't understand those things before and all these things, but as, as I'm sure we all, we all know, all these kind of anarthas and different things we have inside, they're, they're not kind of black and white things, they're all kind of mixed up with so many things and they're, they're very, very subtle uh, things that we deal with and thoughts that we deal with. So I, I think um, in terms of how, how I dealt with it is that yeah, recognizing it's there for sure, and and not ignoring the fact it's there, and I think that came more a little later on. I, I wouldn't say at the time I dealt with it in the best way, and and these things. But you know, on reflection, sometimes it takes a bit of time for you to reflect on things, um, and then yeah, I, I kind of 
as I say, still something comes and goes in different situations. But I, I think more and more, especially by, by Guru Maharaj, you know, the more you hear about bhakti and, 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 and these things, just understanding that, um, yeah, you know, we're not the center and we need, we need to kind of like transfer from being the center to, uh, to Krishna being the center, you know, we're speaking in the recent classes and these things, but it, re it really, I think, um, just to have that knowledge and, to, and, and in a loving environment as well. And I really feel that from our Sangha, for example, you know, that it's, it, there really is, um, you know, there's room for that growth as well. You know, even if you're asking with things and these things, it's not like, ah, oh, you're either in my or you're this. It's just, you know, there's room for that growth. And I think that's such an important, important aspect too, because we are coming from different places. We all, all got our own kind of hangups to deal with in different ways. And, um, and like, ju just to give an example of that, I guess, um, that I, quite stands out to me in relation to this, you know, what the, how, how I've been explaining what I experienced. So in that first ashram, for example, very quickly, we stopped asking questions, for example, because you would be berated if you ask questions. And I remember um, going to the first Polish retreat. So when I first met Guru Maharaj in person, even though I'd been listening to him for many years before that, um, I had this question I really wanted to ask about Guru. Um, and but I was so fearful. I remember being so, so in so much anxiety about asking the question. And I was thinking, maybe I just won't bother asking the question, you know, and I really didn't want to ask the question, uh, even though deep down, I did want to ask the question. Um, and so then on the first day, uh, when, when it was kind of the open Q&A session, and he asked, you know, are there any questions? And I was kind of like, <laughs> okay, just throw my hand in the air. And just for, if I throw my hand in the air, then I've already committed and I can't, you know, there's nothing I can do then. I've got to ask the question no matter what. And so um, sure enough, it was the first question. And, but it was such, a, again, like such a relief, you know, just his response to the, to the question, not just his answer, his answer was amazing, but just, just the warmth and, and feeling of, you know, he want, wanted to help you grow, you know, that it wasn't, it's not, not a, an intellectual thing even, that it's, uh, um, you know, this is ultimately, like we have this discussion, so we, we help out a lot running the um, different programs here in Brighton, for example, and, and really what, what is the whole kind of purpose is, is helping each other's Shraddha grow, right? Is that we're deepening each other's Shraddha and these things. And I really felt that from Guru Maharaj, that his, his approach in, in, uh, responding to my question, you know, whereas previously in my previous experience, it was like kind of like a battle of the intellect, if you will, or smash, smash you down or these kind of things. It was really, how can I help that person's Shraddha grow? You know, how can I help that, that, that Shraddha? And I, I think that's something all devotees is, is such an important thing to keep in mind, especially then if we're helping other devotees of how, how do we help that person's Shraddha grow? Because that's really the important thing in, in, in our in our journey, isn't it really? Um, yeah, exactly. Our faith is what carries us through through everything, and yeah, and being able to give that gift to each other, um, especially when you know one you know, a devotee friend or you know anyone's having a difficult time due to a lack of confidence in the situation and not really sure that Krishna's in the mix and we can be there to help them and then they're there to help us when we're you know that's that's uh, such an important part of sangha so that we're 
yeah, we're helpmates. We're all helpmates on the path for each other. <clears throat> so just, um, I know our time is running out, but what would you say in terms of looking at yourself in terms of transformation that you would, that you've really seen has happened over the years since you've been practicing bhakti? Um, I guess the first thing that came to mind when you asked the question would be my, my approach um, to others. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for Guru Maharaj as an example, or Padmanabha Maharaj, for an example, you know, obviously the recent kind of discussions in, in let's say, controversial areas and these things, but how he, he responds to so many things. Um, I've, I've, I've really felt, maybe not to those degrees, but that such a change just I think back to when I first got into bhakti and I, I found the truth for example and I remember being so insensitive coming back to my mum for example and just you know bombarding her with so many things they're just like she's not ready to hear it, you know and these things and then but even then later on our sangha was the right sangha when we're in India you know and so anything outside I, it was a very like negative kind of attitude toward ISKCON for example or any 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 we were the group and every other group is is not the good group um and so then over time I've really seen that change a lot with especially exposure to other sadhus I think that's that's been important and that's another thing I'm very thankful to Guru Maharaj because I I was really reluctant to um spend any time hearing any other sadhu like i was saying earlier but i heard many classes of guru maharaj and you can't avoid that kind of emphasis on sadhu sangha and you know the, this emphasis that even you know better to take the risk and have sadhu sangha than not to have sadhu sangha and these things you know so more and more that helped me through that kind of healing and and these things and and so i really felt through that in time you know even even today that i've got friends many devotee friends that we're kind of like total opposite end of the spectrum on the endings of certain things you know and these things but i don't feel a need of like oh i must i must defeat you and show you know show you this is this is that and that that we can have warm warm relationships um and you know practice those angas of bhakti that there's no disagreement about these things together without needing that, you know, and there's a place, there's a place for that. If that's someone, you know, someone's position as, as a preacher, you know, like swamis and these kind of things, but the majority of us is, is probably unnecessary. Uh, and especially if we really observe ourselves, where is it coming from, you know, is it coming from kind of idea to establish this is the right thing or that's the right thing, or is it coming from, again, that kind of growing shraddha, growing each other's shraddha and these things. So I, I definitely see that change and, you know, it's an ongoing change as well. But I think back to the first few years and I cringe at how I was, you know. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> yeah, totally fanatical things I said to my parents that somehow they forgave me for, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, we had it, we had it all. We knew it all right in the beginning <laughs> after, you know, two weeks of, you know, practicing, we, we thought we, yeah, had it all wrapped up in a bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from your, from your journey, I mean, you, you did speak a lot about things that, um, well, just any advice that you would give to other um sadhakas on the path that you from your own experience that you think would be helpful to impart at, at the end of the interview um 
Yeah, I think, I think especially really developing a, a trust that Krishna has got our best intentions uh, at heart, you know, that, that he's not some sadist or this or that, that it really, I, I, I think the more one can develop that, then the, the safer one will be, let's say, in those rocky times, you know, like I really, as I say, especially in the fallout of the first things you know i really the holy name was such a shelter you know i can't claim that oh yeah my chanting's always so great even today you know sometimes <laughs> you know you're not so focused on on the rounds themselves and these things but just having that shelter was such a big thing and and i think i think be, being open to to hearing um you know really being open to hearing uh i i, I really feel that was such a a saving grace in many ways is and, and again it brought me to Guru Maharaj because just let let me hear let me hear and even when things are kind of uncomfortable or you might disagree um to to hear is such a such a powerful process um because then even if we kind of you know ask quite need to ask questions later on and these kind of things it's better than kind of what I, what I mean to say is than kind of just avoiding completely and just okay let me just reject everything throw everything out and let's you know go this this way that way and these things I think it's important to because a lot of things Krishna reveals in time you know I think uh, and I'm sure I look back even this interview in 10 years time 20 years time and be like mm, yeah okay it's many much different perspective and I think we got to have that patience I guess that's part of a Sharanagati and like that that trusting is our protector maintainer and I think we, we got to give it that time. We got to have that patience. So that, that, that's yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I think the foundation of these interviews is helping devotees to see that everything Krishna is doing is for our highest good and there isn't any malice involved. I've, I've heard devotees say that, but I think Krishna's out to get me. I think he's out. I, <laughs> yeah, he's out to get you in a good way, not in a negative way. <laughs> but yeah, and I, you know, a lot of that comes from there, you know, could be from prior religious exposure and, you know, maybe even having a parent that was really, you know, not very, you know, very kind and loving to them. And so they bring in these kind of samskaras into the, into bhakti and, and then think, okay, Krishna is just like that, just like my my abusive father. Krishna is trying to hurt me, and you know, or trying to get me to do something in a way that's coercive and abusive and mean, you know, whatever. So, I think that's a real important message to be imparting to everybody that Krishna is all love, hundred percent merciful and hundred percent love, and. Everything he is doing is just to help bring us out of the the um, illusion that we're in and bring us to real happiness eternally. So very, very positive, very wonderful, loving God that we're involved with. And I really, really appreciate your your interviews. You know, they're, they're one of my favorite of the Top of the Vague series for, for that reason too, like you say, because when we hear all these different stories, you know, they manifest in different ways, but it can really, really help, you know, I guess the power of Sadhu Sangha, isn't it as well, but it yeah. helps to see, actually, we're all going through, it might reveal itself in different ways, but we're all going through our struggles and different things. And um, yeah, it's really, we really appreciate these, these talks. Yeah, and I just so much, it's just been so <clears throat> wonderful getting to 
speak personally to the device. And I've you know, been thinking, yeah, I really would like to talk to Ronamon more because he's not, you know, just so I'm grateful that you were open to the interview and such a lovely, um, and so many nice points that you brought out. And I'm sure the devotees on the call all appreciated it. So I, I would like to open it up to see if anyone has any questions, unless there's anything last minute or last ending things you'd like to say. I'm just very thankful for, for you all, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm to any questions, but. Yeah, yeah. So any anybody that's on the, um, the call have a question, if you can't, um, get, if you can't do it on, the audio, you could send something in the in the chat. Sufananga Manjari. Anybody on your end have any questions? No. I'm looking at the group of devotees and we don't have Sakirati on the call. She's our she's usually the one that asks a lot of questions. Gurnishta, he's, he's good for a question. Are you both? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> good morning, Archon and Maramon. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, well, first of all, thank you. I didn't, we didn't hear you. We lost you. We... Oh, sorry. My, my internet is really bad. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can now. Okay. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you both. And my question was, Madam Mohan, you mentioned how, like, when all that stuff came out uh, about your false guru, let's say, in the beginning, um, you, you had this huge internal struggle, like, you didn't trust yourself. And although you mentioned you, you're like an um, educated person, everything you were completely kind of bewildered by what to do. Although, you know, from a outside perspective, it was clear that it was, he was just like a total bogus guy. Um, what would you say to like a young sadhaka who's just getting into Krishna consciousness and they are thinking about like, like looking for a guru, like how do you do away with that extremely powerful psychological thing with humans of being so like group oriented and, believing in these strong charismatic leaders mm. oh, that's a great question <laughs> difficult one to answer too but um yeah i i think you know i ultimately i think everyone's going to be led where they're going to be led anyways um i i, I think that that will always be the case but you know education is is such an important thing and i think j just to give my own experience for example is I, I, you know, everything I was just imbibing through, through the forums and then personal correspondence later on and then Skype calls with various people in that. I never took the time to, to when, you know, eventually, obviously, then you come across there of groups like ISKCON, this and that. I never took the time to approach any devotees in any, any other place. I never, you know, I was kind of like just hellbent that this is, you know, this is where my faith has come to me and these things. And, and, they, they were, sometimes I, I think um, it's easy to kind of put those blinders on. Let's just take with Guru Tattva, for example. 
because because there's such an excitement and and you know there is some real real things going on in terms of um you know everyone's experience when you first come in touch with bhakti and these things i i think um it'd be important so if we were speaking to someone new is, is to yeah go go with your your kind of enthusiasm and these things but but take i take really take the time to kind of understand you know, Rutatva a little bit more. I think there, there should be more education in that area. Um, I, I, I remember after, after the, the fact, I read, um, I came across, uh, a friend sent it to me actually, um, Brigu Bhupad Prabhu's um, uh, thesis, uh, As Good As God. And just reading that and seeing actually how much of kind of my understanding of Guru prior there were so many other ways that even within Gaudiya Vaishnavism it was being looked at. I really wish I'd been kind of educated in that way prior, you know. And so, I yeah, I, I guess not being fearful as well, not not fearing because because so many things were pushed forward. I guess because cementing his position as the guru and these kind of things, um, a lot of the fear-based quotes about rejecting guru and these kind of things. But I think you know, kind of with that quote, sincerity is invincible, that um, is it, kind of trusting one's own sincerity as well, that um, not not fearing that, you know, well, Krishna is going to reject you because you're, you know, at, like you say, from an outsider's perspective, you're just, you're just doing actually what's the logical, logical conclusion. But it being so mixed with something so sensitive like one's faith, one's relationship with God, you know, one's eternal kind of <laughs> situation and these things. So, I, so I, I guess, yeah, is to try and try and not to act at all on the basis of fear and as much as possible on the basis of knowledge. And, and I guess, you know, that's, that's really what, what our Shastras teach, isn't it? Is that we even traditionally you would, you would live with the guru well, you test each other out and these kind of things so asking questions as i say there came a point in my journey that you, you kind of stopped asking questions even because you're just scared of getting berated by by him in the group and these things you know and playing on your ego and these things so yeah I, i'd say a new sadhaka should really take the time to to understand guru tattva as much as possible and but sometimes you're going to go with your heart as i say i don't uh regret any of those experiences so i think ultimately if, if someone is sincere on, on their path krishna is going to take them where they're going to go ultimately anyways i don't know if that that's helpful yeah thank you that was interesting that you said you're not you're still not regretting anything although obviously you wouldn't would have not wanted to stay there but that's that's beautiful actually yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't go back and do it again <laughs> but um, you yeah know. It brought me where I am. <laughs> yeah, nice. And I remember, just to add on to that, something I remember hearing from Guru Maharaj, um, that really, it pushed me more and more, especially when, when I decided, okay, I, I felt ready to, to take initiation again. And these things was um, about the fact that, okay, you know, if you're sincere and you, and, and then you go and, and it does happen again, so, okay, you accept another guru and then you go through it all over again. Like I know there are some people who've been through it however many times, three, four times, et cetera. You know, if you, if you came from a sincere place, what's the loss, you know? And, and, and I really can see that. that I, I don't feel I lost anything by doing that. In fact, my whole life changed in such a way that now, you know, I, I wouldn't be um, a disciple of Guru Maharaj, for example, had I not gone through that first thing. I mean, through a different avenue, if, 
Krishna arranged it, but it's brought me to where I am. So I don't think, um, I think it's important to remember that too. There's no loss if you're, if you're coming from a place of sincerity like that. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. No loss if you come from a place of sincerity yourself. And I, I totally agree with that. Really nice. Well, I think any, any, anybody else have a question before we end the session? That was really, really wonderful. I thank you so much. And, and I, I also want to thank Ananda Manjari. I very enthusiastically translating. <laughs> she, I, so animated and it was, that was lovely. Are you going to be coming back again, Ananga Manjari? Yes? Okay, wonderful. That's, that's great. So we're all getting ready to launch into a season of lots of classes. I think there's going to be five classes a week from Guru Maharaj and five classes a week from Padmanava Swami. Um, it's there and from Madhavan. So that's, that's going to be starting another, I think on the 21st or something, we'll be having a lot of classes, but we will have two more interviews this month. Um, next week with Gopal Nandini um, and then Yoga Maya will be the last week and then we'll be taking another break in January because of all the classes, other classes that will be going on with Guru Maharaj being in, um, in Madhavan. So we have a lot of exciting things to look forward to through the holiday season. This is our holiday season. It's Sarusanga increases and it gets more concentrated and beautiful. So thank you so much, Mohan. And um, we're gonna get your wife on after they, we'll, we'll get her on. I didn't even get to ask you anything about your wife. I want, did wanna know how you guys met each other and you have a minute to say that. <laughs> How did you meet her? How did I meet her? Um, so in Brighton, actually, um, I was passing through. It was when I, on the way to Mexico. Um, so I, I, I've got family just down the road, about half hour away. Um, and I was looking for devotees to um, celebrate Gopurnim with. And um, there happened to be uh, an overnight kirtan going on at one devotee's house here. And uh, so I met there and we, we had mutual friends. And then I came back uh, to, to get to uh, Mayapur um, to stay, because it was staying in the ISKCON Brahmachari Ashram there. Um, I had to get like a letter of recommendation from two ISKCON devotees. And so I had a friend in Cardiff who could recommend. Uh, then so I, I served here for a while in, in one devotee shop um, and he kindly gave the letter. But in that time, uh, we formed a friendship um, and, uh, and yeah, over time, it kind of blossomed into a bit more, if you will, <laughs> um, especially then when I came back. <laughs> yeah, it's just really, it seems such a, such a nice um, Krishna conscious couple. You know, both of you are very um, articulate with Shastra and just seem both very happy in your, your, your services. So, Nice example. I mean, we, we really need those kind of examples. That's so. Yeah, so I'll look forward to having her come on too. To 
<laughs> she'll be she'll be the prelude. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and um, we'll see everybody soon. Well, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Akshana. <laughs> thank you.